Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golikin's Ready. I'm Mike Golikin. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to another edition of the new year of Golik and Smetty. I'm Mike Golik Sr. She is Jess Matana, and we are in 2024. Woohoo! Woo! You already uh, troubleshooted a tech issue this morning. I mean, I, I don't... You're off to a good start. I don't know how that happened. I think I was like Will Ferrell in, I forgot the name of the movie, and I blacked out um, <laughs> and just just was, was, was able to do it. Um, I... So it is 2024. We have so much football to talk about, Jess. We're at football overload, but we just did finish New Year's. Now, we are, as people know by now, come from different generations. You are the age of my daughter. Uh, you graduated mm-hmm. college the same year as my daughter. So we are certainly far different by decades in age. I can't remember the last time I made it to midnight. It doesn't matter what time zone. I'm in Arizona now, which is 10 o'clock out here. It would be midnight Eastern. I didn't make it till 10. Even if I lived in LA where my son lives, it would be nine o'clock would be uh, midnight. So wait, you don't, you don't, you can't even make it to no, midnight no, Eastern no, when you're no, in the West. Okay. No. And, and, time. and I don't even, and the thing about it is, yes, we don't even try. We, we don't, as soon as we start feeling tired, we're telling the dogs, let's go to bed. Let's go. We're, we're not even fighting it to try and stay up as far. And even when I was younger, your age, even younger than your age, when I was, you know, a dumb teenager, early 20s, I bought into this. I think this is the most overrated holiday where they make it. You think like you're missing something if you're not awake. By, and, and for those of you that are, hey, I, I hope you have a ball. I hope you have a great time. Exactly. Yeah. But. I have never felt out once I got on my, my dumb years of saying, why the hell do I need to be awake for this? It's going to be the new year, whether I'm up partying or not. So that's me. You, again, are young. You're not even in your 30s yet. Do you go out and party on New Year's Eve? Yeah. I mean, the thing about being your daughter's age is that we're getting older, Mike. We're, I've, I think ah. I've reached the point where like things are starting to change for me. And I think it happened around the time of uh, quarantine and the pandemic and COVID, I was in my mid twenties. I was, I was riding the high of like turning 25 and going out, spent like my 25th birthday, Mike, we went out to a karaoke bar and I sang Janis Joplin uh, karaoke so loud that I lost my voice for Good three for weeks. Good for you. Like, I was out late. I was up with the rats walking home in New York City that wow. night. And I can't fathom doing that now. It all changed during the pandemic when we, we couldn't go out for, you know, like a year in New York right. or, or maybe even longer. And it just, it feels like I got it all out of my system. And ever since New Year's Eve has just been one of those things along with like my birthday and almost every other event that happens in a year where it's just like every year, a little less special, giving a little less of a shit. 
about it. So did you, when's the last time? So when's the last time you were up until midnight out? Uh, well, last night watching the college football playoff games, oh, well, I can't believe I stayed up yeah. two hours later on January 1st than I did on New Year's Eve. And I was so mad about it. When I woke up this morning and got like, I had probably four and a half, five hours of sleep. I was furious, Mike. But on New Year's Eve, uh, to answer your question, I honestly, I can't even, I don't even remember what I did last year. It just is completely a blur. I, I have no, it probably nothing because I can't remember it, I but um, there was one year that my my best friend got married on New Year's Eve, which is, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been to a New Year's Eve wedding. It's like a, some people do, you know, it's a trendy thing because you don't have to go to work the next day. And, you know, you, you can all be with all your friends at midnight when the ball drops and right. do a toast. So right. that was fun. I was up till midnight that night. I had to carry her like 40 pound dress home after the wedding. So it, that was a fun New Year's Eve. But that, I mean, that's a, a very special occasion until her potential second or third wedding. I don't anticipate ah. to stay up that late again, celebrating with her. Um, but that's about it. That's probably the last time. What's interesting, Jess, is there were a lot of people that just a couple of days ago got married. They got married on New Year's Eve. And do you know why they got married on New Year's Eve? Because of the day. Do you one, believe two, three, this? 123123 <laughs> is 123123. One, that could be one of the dumbest reasons to get married on that day. I mean, seriously. I, uh... That is such, I, I, my eyes were open to this recently when a friend of mine was getting engaged. People go crazy for specific dates for their weddings. Like if there's a, if like 10, 10 falls on a Saturday, that, that date will be sold out months in advance at certain wedding venues because people really want that like cool looking anniversary date, I guess. I did yeah. not know this was yeah. a thing until recently, but all of this is to say that does not surprise me. I will say my friend who got married on New Year's Eve, God love her. Uh, it's a little confusing when, you know, the you get married and then the year changes the next day. When she ordered yeah. her thank you cards, yeah. wrong year. Yep. She had New Year's Eve in 2022 and it was technically tw still 2021. Yep. So that can get a little bit confusing. It can produce more trouble than, than it's worth. And then also yeah. there are those, and this is not just a this year thing, but those that try and conceive in March so they can have the New Year's baby, New Year's baby. right? Hmm. Try and backtrack the time. There was the lady I saw that had twins. One of them was born on Christmas Eve night and the other on Christmas Eve day. It, it, it went over the midnight mark. So you actually had a Christmas Eve baby and a Christmas baby as twins, which is pretty cool, actually. Wait, so a, you mean a New Year's baby? So no, no, like no. The no, no, no. This oh, was this Christmas. was this was Christmas. So one oh, was okay. born right before midnight on Christmas Eve, so it's a Christmas Eve baby, and the other was born wow. a couple of minutes later, right after midnight. So it was a Christmas baby. So like like my son Jake is a Christmas baby. He was born on Christmas Day. Does he get double the presents or? Hell no. Does... No. 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 Okay. Yeah. No. You know what? He doesn't want for a whole lot. So no, we're not. No. Uh, but, but you do kind of make sure you acknowledge it, you know, as you're growing yeah. up and it's not just, oh, Christmas for everybody. And you forgot it's his birthday. Aww. So you always have to make sure that you acknowledge, you know, the, the, the birthday. But uh, yeah, the marriage is on 12, 31, 23, 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. Uh, this is what we're doing. 
It's just, it's funny because it's only in the United States, right? Because everyone else puts the date, right. month, day, year. So right. good luck explaining that one. Yeah. My sister actually got married on February 29th. So her first wedding oh. anniversary will be in this this year. Right, leap year, yeah. February 29th because it's a leap year. Yeah. yeah, how wild is that? Leap year confuses yeah. the hell out of me. I really. I know. She's been married for four years and yet yeah. this is her first anniversary. It, leap year, trying to figure out all that is trying to figure out scenarios for playoffs in the NFL. <laughs> once you get And in college football, yeah, honestly. Once you get past the second line, my eyes glaze over and I just wait right. for somebody. To, like, like, I'm so happy. This week I'm calling the uh, Buffalo at Miami game Sunday night in Miami. Winner wins a division. Nice and simple, right? Are we going to get a coffee? Are we going to hang out? I mean, I'm well, right here. We're going to talk about that. We are definitely going to talk about that of what we can do Sunday. Because I get in late Saturday night, but I'll have Sunday, obviously, uh, before the game. So we're going to have to chat about what uh, what we want to do. But at least that one, the winner is in. The winner wins right. the division. Now, we have scenarios where the loser, you know, especially if it's is Buffalo, also maybe in. the Buffalo right. may get knocked out if they lose, other different scenarios of which, again, my eyes have glazed over on that. But that's the NFL. We will get to the NFL. How many millions of people who made the New Year's resolution that they are going to get fit have already screwed up, right? You already? So that was- I, I baked a four-layer cake oh. yesterday. Oh, it was so good. Mike, you would have loved it. I, I mean, I know you're not like a fruit no. person in your desserts, but trust me, it had, it was, it was like super dark chocolate fudgy layers with a chocolate mousse filling and fresh raspberries in the filling. And then four more layers of that and then chocolate frosting. And then I put just a regular buttercream frosting on top and, and decorated it with some fresh raspberries. You would have, trust me, the raspberries were the perfect amount of tart and fresh fruit for the chocolate ratio. It was just because I'm a chocolate freak. I would have tried it. Uh, and because you made it and you're such a great baker. What, Maybe I'll keep some around for Sunday when you come, what, come by. What, um, what did you make it for? Um, just myself. I, I well, wow. we did have people over because for, Lee, if, if, again, people oh, know weird. your boyfriend Lee does not like desserts, which I don't know how the yeah. hell you two can be together. Quite honestly. I when know. You bake and the he way made you a do. huge, he made a huge pot of chili. So we had a huge thing of chili. We had a few friends over to watch the playoff games. We were, you know, excited. It's going to be great. Uh, first game ended at like nine o'clock and everyone was like, all right, we're, <laughs> we're tapping out for the night. So that was our New Year's Day. It was it, honestly, I think New Year's Day is a more fun day to celebrate than yeah. New Year's Eve. I'd rather wake up on New Year's Day, not hungover. Yes, yep. Go outside, go for a walk. It's, it's, I mean, it's always nice out here in Miami. You enjoy, soak up the sun, cook, have your friends over. My family used to always have a uh, new year's day. People would come over and we watch the Rose bowl together. Right. So yep. that's my favorite holiday that no one really celebrates. It's just the day of January 1st when no one has to go to work. Yeah. It's such, it's such a difference. And you realize it at a certain age out of college that waking up hungover just isn't worth it anymore. I uh, did rather enjoy the day. And one of the reasons I love living out here at this time of year in Arizona with football, the games for me, the playoff games were three o'clock, six forty-five. Awesome. So jealous. I mean I'm so jealous. Just absolutely awesome. Even better if you're in LA like Mike is, it's even an hour earlier. 
Uh, so love it, love it out here on the West Coast uh, for those reasons. But we had, we had so to the games and to the bowl games, and, and I want to get into the other bowls and the blowouts and the talk of, you know, how do we avoid a Georgia-Florida State situation? But let's give the due to the, the four teams that played. Jess, I think we got exactly what we thought we were going to get. With Bama and yeah. Michigan, you were going to get line of scrimmage play, a lot of running, beatdowns, physical game, close game. Obviously, it was, went to overtime. And in the nightcap, Washington and Texas, you were going to get a bit of a shootout. And you did 37-31, a higher scoring affair. So, And remember the first, I think it was eight years of bowl of, of this playoffs, we had, if not one, both semifinal games were two-score games. Last year... They were one-score games, both of them, I believe. And then this year, I mean, my God, you go to overtime in one game, and the other one is a pass in the end zone away from Texas beating Washington. I don't think you could ask for much better. I agree. They Both of these games were awesome. And I thought that the Alabama-Michigan game I, – I think actually I picked Alabama and Texas in the championship, and you picked Washington and Michigan. So congratulations. I That is – first thing in order, but I, I don't feel bad about my picks because both games really came down yes. to the final yes. play. And I thought that you're absolutely right about Alabama and Michigan being a game that came down to, you know, the, the battle in the trenches. But what surprised me about it was that Michigan won that battle. Yes. I thought for a lot of the, especially that final play. Oh my God. I think Jalen Milrow probably wants to have that one back, but the Alabama offensive line also, you see that video of their right tackle just getting bowled over on that play. And and I think it looks like he hurt himself too. I'm not sure if that's why he was bowled over or not, but just a, absolutely crazy to see that happen to Alabama in, in a championship or in a, you know, in the Rose Bowl, in a playoff game or any sort of game of this caliber. You're just not used to seeing that really. And especially when Nick Saban's got a month to prepare yeah, and their offense came out looking like they're, you know, they couldn't snap the ball. Well, they had a lot of, just mistakes, just the things that you don't typically see from an Alabama football team in this position. I thought that was what surprised me the most about this game, and I think that was ultimately how Michigan was able to come away with the win. The physicality on the Michigan defensive side of what they did to Alabama offense, five sacks in the first half, uh, and really no adjustments until the second half, kind of leaving the old line uh, just to block you know, the Michigan defense with no help at all. And we saw the results of that. You didn't have Jalen Milrow on the move at all. The second half, it completely changed to you had help in, you had Milrow on the move, so a tale of two halves. But Michigan, you're right about an Alabama team being out physical. Michigan did it. But Michigan, again, does have the best statistical defense in yeah. FBS. So it's not shocking that they played well. But you're right. You you don't normally see an Alabama team out physical. And then confused. How many times in the first half did you see the DBs for Alabama pointing to one another? Like they were they were surprised about something or confused about something and blew a coverage, which was amazing because neither one of these teams you would consider a passing team. But Alabama making the mistakes in the secondary as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This game could have gone either way. Michigan was the better team. 
Michigan, I think, was the better team. And it's interesting, Mike and I were doing our show, my son Mike, and if you really look at that last play, a good snap, A, helps that play a lot. Because yeah. for a split second, it opened up to exactly what they wanted. The end man on the line, I think it was Will Johnson, the DB came flying up the field. Mm -hmm. They sent the back in motion. The linebacker went with them. You pulled your right guard, and Milrow almost got in his hip pocket and I think could have gotten in. But you mentioned the tackle, J.C. Latham, 360 pounds, by the way. So give a lot of credit to J Josiah Stewart was a defender yeah. for Michigan that just trucked him in, back into the backfield that Milrow tripped over him. Now, I will say, and you said it, you, you said it already, it looked like Latham got hurt. Did he get hurt during the play, and that's maybe why he got pushed back, or did he get hurt after he got pushed back and fell on the ground? That I don't know. But a great play by Stewart, the defender. Yeah, a transfer portal yeah. player also who played at Coastal Carolina before. I mean, you could almost say that about any player, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, right. a transfer player. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but but I mean, true. the the play looked like it had a chance, but I, I'm amazed at that part of the season, the snapping issues that, that yes, they had in the shotgun. Me too. Absolutely shocked by that. And Michigan almost gave this game up on the special teams. Yes. Bad snap on an extra point, missing a field goal, muffing a punt. I mean, that was amazing that you come down to this game and that's almost how you lose it. And that muff punt was so oh. close. I mean, that could have been the game right there. I actually, so as, as much crap as I'm sure Tommy Reese is getting today for the yep. play call, I also think Alabama's defense letting Michigan come march down the field, 75 yards, yes. eight plays, yep. three minutes, three minute uh, drive to tie the game late in the fourth quarter after Alabama had the lead most of the fourth quarter, I think all of the fourth quarter up until that point and towards the end of the third quarter too, they, they scored um, I think like right towards the end of the third quarter to go up by four. It just, that to me, I mean, that is a terrible, terrible <laughs> series for their defense. Yep. There was tackling issues. Like you'd see Michigan players get four or five extra yards yeah. just running down the sidelines after an Alabama player wouldn't be able to just nudge them out of bounds. Like that was the difference in this game, right? Like that yeah. drive to me was more so the game than the overtime play, which I thought, you know, I, as soon as it went to overtime, I did not think Alabama was going to win that game. I, Michigan scored so yeah. so easily in their first overtime possession, and also I think when you're when you're like neutralizing the rest of the field of play, you're just giving them you know 25 yards each team. I do think Michigan has the advantage in that game over Alabama. I, I would agree, and I agree with you about the last drive. You know, as you mentioned, eight plays, 75 yards, just over three minutes. A, a fourth and two, where I thought Michigan may punt because they had their three timeouts. They have the best defense in the country that they would have played the field position game uh, and, and pin Bama back and then get a three and out, use your timeouts and get the ball back. But they went for it, get the 27-yard gain on the on a little toss to Blake Corum there, which was a phenomenal play. And, and then quite honestly, Bama's got the ball a minute 34 to go, and they got a booming kicker, right, who made a couple of 50-yarders. So yeah. all they got to do is get in field goal range, five plays, and they got to punt back. And it almost turns disastrous for Michigan. Uh, but they got they got to punt the ball back. And and could I'm with you. When it went to overtime, I I definitely favored Michigan in that one. And then they scored so easily. But uh, 
I, yeah, but you you just got to get, I mean, Michigan, I, I they all season, and I've been like the first person to say this, like they didn't play very many hard teams like early in the season. I mean, their season really started like week 11 or week 10, right? When they played yes, Penn State. Yes. They, you didn't really get to see them play a non-conference schedule. You didn't really know, like they're, you know, J.J. McCarthy was not throwing the ball nope. very much towards the end of the season, looked kind of banged up, looked not that great. Um, their defense played really well, obviously, down the stretch, and, and then they lost their right guard guard in the final regular season game of the the year and I just I thought like maybe those things given you know Alabama struggles this year maybe those things kind of make this one lean towards Alabama and you have Nick Saban as your head coach and he's been in this position how many times but Michigan like you just have to give I, I hate to say it Mike you have to give Jim Harbaugh a lot of credit for this because they were the more physical team and they looked like despite their mistakes as well, like yeah. you said, especially yeah. on special teams. I mean, they just looked like they were ready to play and they gave Alabama's offense fits the entire game. They did again, five sacks in the first half. Absolutely amazing. Just got one in the second half. So Alabama did make some adjustments uh, to that, but I think the better team won this one. I think the better team is moving on uh, to the title game. They got a shot to win it. I'm, I'm early already uh, saying I am picking Washington in this game, as we go to Washington oh. and Texas, Washington gets a win 37-31. Washington's defense, unfortunately, is not that great. Uh, I think Michigan could have a chance to control the ball. But what, this Washington offense against this Michigan defense, what a matchup this is going to be from protection of Michael Penix Jr. to coverage down the field with Polk and Adunze. Each had 100 yards in this game. They're incredible on this offensive side of the ball. Uh, and I think Michael Penix, and I said it all along about him, I, I would be close to putting him as the third quarterback coming up in this draft behind Williams and May. Uh, I w- you know, they were talking about Penix early, early on at the third round pick. I love the way he plays. I love the way he slides in the pocket and keeps his eyes downfield. He's very smooth. He's very, very accurate. Receivers should love to play for him because it's not just about completions. It's about giving the receiver a chance after he catches the ball to get some yards. But this game was just like the first game, Jess, was just what we thought. This game, the same thing. We expected a shootout, and that's what we got, score for score. Washington got up a couple of scores, and you thought they're going to ice this thing. I thought they kind of got cute on one of their drives in the fourth quarter and ended up going three and out, and that's when Texas went down and scored and got within one score. And you thought, oh, you know, Washington got to screwed around here, and Texas made this thing a game. Uh, this was another good one, but I do think the better team won in this one as well. Got cute is exactly what everyone that I was watching the game with was saying after that drive for Washington. And also, I mean, the the end of game management, I don't disagree with their decision to keep running the ball and try to get a first down, right? Because the, the way that the, the timing was, right. like, First down wins the game, right. but you don't want to give it back to Texas if you don't have to. Um, but putting their already sort of injured running back in there to run those plays and then who got hurt. You know, Dylan Johnson got hurt, like hurt, hurt, um, and the clock stopped. That was, I thought, oh my God, like worst case scenario. And and clearly, clearly not, uh, didn't end up working out the way that they wanted because Texas was able to get right. the ball back yeah. and had a chance to win the game. And, and I guess you could also criticize their final call of the game that, you know, kind of they had done it earlier in the game and it worked but it was a much harder catch I thought that final play you're asking 
the receiver to basically do what Santonio Holmes did yeah. in the in Super Bowl 43, which is like stay on your tiptoes and, and reach over and catch it. And that's just such a high difficulty pass and catch. And the DB for Washington defended it perfectly, just kind of swatting it out of bounds. So uh, really tough final drive for Texas. I felt like both of these games, if I had a rooting interest, I would have been just an absolute wreck no. because they both games just came down to the wire. Both teams down the stretch, whether it's the muff punt or the injury for Washington or, you know, any of these things, like just absolutely horrible ways that you could see yourself losing a game. Like we, we've all seen our teams do it. And it just ended up working out for, for Washington that Texas wasn't able to put together that final drive. But like you said about Michael Penix, like the definition of dropping dimes, oh. he had so many passes in this game specifically and we've seen him do it all season Mike and that's why you know even though I Jaden Daniels was super deserving of the Heisman I said all along I really like Michael Penix I probably would have voted for him if I had a Heisman vote and I felt very like reassured by that uh after this game there are so many passes where you just watch it just the accuracy just pinpoint precision and he's got these three wide receivers That, you know, it's hard enough to, you know, guard one guy like that on a college football field, but he has three of them and you could see how they're just able to run the offense that they want when you have guys making plays like this and he's able to just put the ball in the the perfect position for them to catch it. There's talk that he has better wide receivers than some NFL teams have on their teams. And and, Mm -hmm. and if Penix does go higher in the draft, he's all likely going to a bad team and he may be wishing for his, his receivers again. He throws for 430 yards, fourth most in a CFP. Hey, the, the bears have two uh, early first round yep. picks. You could get Penix and Odunze next year, wouldn't right? That, wouldn't that be something? Well, the bears are going to take Caleb Williams with the number one. They, they have the number one pick and that's, that's who they're going to take in this one. But what a game this was. And I agree with you about that run. A lot of people said, should he just take a knee at that point? I, I, I don't mind the run. Uh, you never expect somebody to get hurt. And I know people will say, well, you take all that out if you just kneel on the ball. But man, how about that working against you? The clock stops because your yeah. own guy gets hurt. And that last play was interesting that there wasn't an adjustment made, Jess. Now I know we're diving into the weeds here a little bit. If you look at the DB, he was playing off, n- knowing full well what play was coming. I, the adjustment to me was for the receiver to just great, get right into the end zone and just turn outward and just throw it to the first pylon. And I think they had a touchdown instead of lobbing yeah. it up because the DB was playing back on that one, expecting that play. But again, you know, that happens. They both they both got, you know, Texas got far. Texas is back, uh, as they say. But I do think the better teams won. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we get to, to the rest of the bowls, a really question about the bowls. Do you have an early pick? I, like I said, I'm go, I think Washington is the underdog right out of the gate, uh, I believe. But I, I'm picking Washington to win this game, even though I do think overall, like continuity wise, I think Michigan has the better overall team. Yeah, I think it's really hard to pick against Michigan 
given the way that they kind of bullied Alabama around on on the line and and Washington's defense played I thought they played really well yeah. given their they were you know the weaker unit on the field yesterday but um Michael Penn I, I think people have been waiting for Washington to lose all season long whether it was in the regular season when they played close games in you know Pac-12 play and and close games against Washington State and then the Pac-12 championship game where they were a heavy underdog whether it was this game against Texas that you know a lot of people didn't pick them to win it people are just waiting for them to win and or for them to lose and they just keep winning so I I really have a hard time picking against either team but um I I guess I, I just I, I don't know how Michigan loses this if they play the way that they yeah. did last night. Like they showed that they have a pass game that works against a good defense. They showed that their run game still is working. It just cut out the mistakes oh. and I, their defense is just going to body people. So I, I don't know. I, we'll, we'll see. I'm excited for it though. I really hope it ends before 1 yeah. a.m. though. Yeah. I don't know if I well, can do that. It's supposed to start at 7:30 Eastern. I think Jess, I think that's when it's yeah, supposed right. to start, but then that's when they start, start all, like all the, the hoopla. You know, I'm with all, you. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I'm with you. I think Michigan overall is a better team, but I'm going with Washington because they're never going to be out of this with the offense and the way it can score. They're always that's going true. to be able to yeah. come back. So, We'll see. As far as the rest of the bowl season, it seems now, Jess, there's a couple of things to go to. First, I think all the bowls now should try and be like the Pop-Tarts Bowl and try and try and say, look at us over here and don't watch the game necessarily because some of the games are so <laughs> bad. You know, let's have a let's have a, a edible, you know, mascot that gets ripped apart after a game. Uh, you know, or the Cheez-Its Bowl, the, you know, or the or the the Tiger Bowl that Notre Dame was in where they dumped the flakes, the the frosted flakes yeah. for Marcus. It seems like bowl games have to find that hook now because it's not really the game anymore. I think that the the Pop Tart Bowl broke contain. Like the ah. Pop Tart mascot being sacrificed on television <laughs> was something that appealed to people outside of college football in a very macabre way that I don't even know if Pop Tarts marketing executives could have ever expected. expected. Yeah. It was very um disturbing it was very strange it, the pop tart was craving death at the end of its its short life and then it was devoured by Kansas state players on the field it was incredibly bizarre i don't know you know next year i think every bowl executive is going to try to replicate yeah. that yep. i don't i can't think of a weirder thing to try to go back in time and tell myself like 7 years ago than like hey they're going to sacrifice the Pop-Tart mascot at the end of the Pop-Tart Bowl. And like, I just nod, okay, yes, like, sure. I'm hallucinating I think right bowls now. are going to try and outdo each other. Remember, it was yeah. the Duke's Mayo Bowl where they're, Mike, my son. Oh, and that's old news yeah, now. my son but calling the game news. is dipping Oreos and mayonnaise. Mayonnaise's they're, been there. They're pouring yep. mayonnaise on the winning coach. And now they just got outdone by the Pop-Tart yeah. Bowl, which was yeah. the most viewed bowl game before the playoff games. So I think that these sponsors are going to keep trying to outdo one another. And then there's the games themselves. You look at Florida State, Georgia. First, I'll say this, because I thought Florida State should have been in the Final Four. That Florida State defense could have held up against any either one, Bama or Michigan. Yeah. Could have absolutely held up because they're a phenomenal defense. I don't know what their offense would have done, but their defense would have been right there. That being said, they have over 20 opt-outs in their game against Georgia, and they get smoked. And even Kirby Smart after the game said, something's got to be done. Jess, I don't know what can be done. The, the, the easiest thing to do would be don't start the portal as early as you do. But 
so all these kids don't have to opt out before the bowl game. But they do the portal so the kids can get enrolled in their new schools. Right, because they do technically have to go to school. This is still our student-athlete part of this. So (laughs) the student-haha-athlete part of this says, well, because they have to enroll in a new school, we have to have the portal at this time. So I don't know what's going to make this better, Jess. I don't know what's going to help. Yeah, I agree. And I think that like, it's the, the, there's like different tiers of bowl games, right? There's like the, the five and, or I guess six and six, like Mac team that's playing earlier in bowl season against like a a CUSA team. Like there's those games. And then there's like the nine and three NC state versus the, I think they were nine and three Kansas state where like those players aren't there's not going to be that many of them that are opting out maybe if a coach leaves there will be right, a lot in right. the portal and like those games in that kind of middle like category still I thought were pretty competitive this year like I thought the Wisconsin LSU game even though LSU had a bunch of opt-outs and Wisconsin had a couple opt-outs ended up being a really really excited game exciting game on Monday yep. um in the in the the Pop-Tart Bowl, no one's ever going to talk about who played in the Pop-Tart no. Bowl because of what happened no. after it. But that ended up being like a pretty good game too. It did. Um, there, there were a handful of those kind of like middle, like the, the Gator Bowl, Clemson and Kentucky. Craziest fourth quarter of a college football game that I think I watched this year. It was just an insane Clemson comeback. So like that, that like kind of tier right ahead of, or right, I guess right behind the New York Six games, there's still some fun games being played and, and good competition there. But then like you've got the New Year's six games where I think maybe there's more players going into the NFL. So they're opting right, out or maybe right. there's more players portaling or whatever it is. Like those games I thought were for the most part, pretty lopsided. I know there's only a couple because they're also count as playoff games now, but like Oregon and Liberty was never really going to be competitive because Oregon was just a, in a different league than Liberty this season, like literally and figuratively. Um, and they didn't have a lot of opt-outs, but they destroyed them. Um, the Cotton Bowl was brutal to watch. Oh. It was like, <laughs> and that was partially because of opt-outs, I think, too, for Ohio State and Missouri. So, yep. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's not like they're all like this. It's just some of the marquee games have been like this this year. So I don't know what you have to necessarily because people are still watching it because people are addicted to football and people have been complaining about bowl games since i was doing mike and mike at espn yeah it's always like there's too many these are horrible games to which my answer was always don't friggin turn it on then you have a choice who cares if there's 90 bowl games you don't have to watch if you don't like bowl season you know so i i don't think outside of moving the portal time that anything can be done in this one and you're right about you you wondered about oregon and liberty two and a half minutes into the game liberty's up six nothing you're yeah. like whoa 45 six later you know that's a, that's a blowout so i they're always going to be what they're going to be i don't i don't see that uh getting any better unless a massive rule change happens which i don't see happening either there's enough i think like every year there's enough really competitive yeah. like unexpected great games that i'm like this is it's a mixed bag right like you're not they're not all going to be like that and there are going to be games where you don't know any of the players on a team's offense because they're right. all backups but i don't think that that's necessarily like there's never going to be a situation where every single one of these games right. is competitive right like Too many football is just, right. such a wide gulf between the amount of resources and talent at programs and who who's really like bought into wanting to play in the bowl game and who's not. Um, I just don't know how you make any sort of fix for it. It does 
I do agree. It's things that the New Year's New Year's Six games in particular, like a player wouldn't stick around for that. Right. But that's been happening since before with the portal and right. like like you know, just look at Jalen Smith and the Fiesta yep. Bowl. Like you could ruin your uh mm-hmm draft prospects so easily if you get you hurt can. in one of these games. so that has can. nothing to do with like any of this in my opinion you just have more people now with the portal so uh yeah. lots of games some are going to be good some are going to be bad nothing has changed there so by the time we we tape our next podcast the champion will be crowned again i'm going with washington you're going with michigan correct yeah, we'll say okay, that. Okay, so we're on Oppo sides as far as that is concerned. I hope you're right. Yeah, coming up next, uh, we'll go to the NFL where the playoff scenarios are abundant and I stop looking at them because it makes my eyes blaze over. <laughs> Jess, the NFL side of this, uh, first, I'm really looking forward to calling the, the Buffalo at Miami game because you and I can hang out. And the winner of that game wins a division. You got to love as a player, man, that's all you can ask for is the meaning coming down to it at the end. What am I playing for? And both these teams, there's a good scenarios where they can both end up in the playoffs, but one will win the division and get a home field game while the other will be a wild card. But really, if you're in any scenario where at least you find you're playing for something, your Pittsburgh Steelers, as bad as they have looked at times, are still are still heavy, and, and my game could have something to do with it if Buffalo loses, depending on what happens. On yeah. the, because because it's the last weekend, all the games are on Sunday. Or oh, I'm sorry, there's there's um, there's two games on Saturday, and then the rest on Sunday. No Monday night game. So by the right. time we get to the Monday night game, basically we're going to know all the particular outcomes in the AFC based off the outcome of Buffalo and Miami, but all the different scenarios. But if you, if you just know and hope that you're playing for something right now. Yeah. I mean, this is the last two weeks since we uh, last recorded an episode of the show. I feel like the pendulum has swung like different first, like Miami beats the Cowboys. It's a huge win for them right on Christmas Eve. Now they get destroyed by the Ravens going into the final week of the season. You have the Ravens who now look like totally resurgent. I think I said like my MVP pick two weeks ago, sure. Give it to Brock Purdy. Now I'm like, no, that was, that was a terrible, terrible choice. It's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is playing out of his mind and the Ravens look awesome. And if I were, uh, John Harbaugh, I would bench him and not play any of the starters. In fact, I would just forfeit the game on Sunday. Just let the Steelers take the win. And I'm only ah, being like ah. half facetious about it because wouldn't you, if you're the Ravens, like there's probably a less than 0.2% chance the Steelers win any playoff game, even if they do make it, but you'd rather play them in the playoffs than the bills. I would think, right. You don't want, like, I would not want to play Buffalo in the postseason. Um, the Steelers are just too much of a like fluctuating let, team to let, be concerned. Let me about tell that. you, every other AFC playoff team would love Buffalo to not be in the playoffs without question. Right, exactly. And, and, so Ravens just sit this one out. Just and well, well, that's what I was going to ask you me. because there are those that that think, and I think ridiculously, that you should play your guys to make it fair because why give Pittsburgh a possible pass to maybe get in the playoffs? And my thought process: you do what you what is right for your team. And if that yeah. means you wrap everybody in bubble wrap and don't play them, then don't play them. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that and what you just said. And, that, and then there's the rest versus rust. Because remember, if all those starters don't play, you also have a bye the first week. So now you've got two weeks 
of inactivity for a one and done scenario or the playoffs, you know, it's not multiple games. It's not a series. So what's your, what's the thought then on rust versus, you know, rest on that? You know, I'm not, I can't remember where John Harbaugh sits on that. We'll obviously find out uh, uh, when this game goes on uh, this, this weekend. So I would rest guys. I would take my chance with the rest versus rust uh, because I don't want a guy injured. Look at Miami. Right at the end of that game, the end of that game where it's not even a game, you lose Bradley Chubb, your second best rusher because your first best rusher has already been lost in Jalen Phillips uh, earlier. So, I mean, my God, did they just get ham in that one where Mike McDaniel had to answer some questions about why you had guys in at the end of that game, you know, were in the position to get hurt uh, because of where that game was going. So I'm a firm believer. I'm with you rest them. And in this case, it may help your Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a risk reward proposition, right? And like losing a a player that you need in the playoffs to an injury, a, a very tangible thing that can and does happen in football games feels like a way bigger risk than the potential reward of like, Oh, you know, we'll keep our division rival out of the playoffs potentially, or, you know, we'll get a few more reps in before we take a, a week off because we have the buy. Like that just to me, doesn't feel like a really like concrete excusable right. reason to potentially risk losing, you know, a, a player that you're going to need in a game down the road. So I, I would just bench everyone and, and in fact, just just not play the game. Along those lines, John Harbaugh, after the, the win, said about that situation, resting players, he said, we've got to kind of work through the injury part of it first, meaning coming off the game they just played. That'll take care, take us probably 24 to 48 hours to get a real handle on that. Then we'll make those decisions. We're not going to keep it a secret. We'll let you know what we're going to do once we start practicing on Wednesday. And then uh, it's a note here, if Jackson doesn't play or any starters who don't play, it would be at least a 19-day break between games by the time they would. That sounds great. Yeah, I, w- it, I would love a 19-day break it does. before the next time I have to do my job. Unless you come out a little rusty. And for us, if we're you know mispronouncing words or tripping over ourselves, which I do anyway, uh, yeah, me too. It we, doesn't matter. We don't I'm really, always rusty. Well, we don't really care about it. But if you're in a game and all of a sudden you fumble or throw an interception or miss a tackle, and next thing you know, you're the number one seed and you're out of the playoffs, they would care about it uh, a lot more. But I, I think Baltimore has – I mean, they've beaten division leaders the last three weeks, right? Miami, which lead, led the East. They beat San Francisco, which led in the NFC their division. And before that, they beat Jacksonville, though – that may not be the greatest one in the world, but still they were leading, you know, they're leading the AFC South. So they look good there. I'll tell you, Jess, in all honesty, the team that may be the biggest threat to Baltimore, Cleveland. Cleveland is playing unbelievably well right now. I think Kevin Stefanski is going to win coach of the year. To be where you are with four quarterbacks, four starting quarterbacks blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. So, because Kansas City. That would be, like, narratively, Flacco playing in Baltimore. I mean, can you imagine? The storylines would be just out of control, Mike. I want to know who your pick is, though, for the game that you're calling on Sunday night. Because Miami is now heading into this final stretch with, like you said, a lot of injuries, a lot of important injuries. And um, Tyreek Hill got hurt on Sunday. Um, They just, I mean... 
Baltimore was just pouring it on at the right. end of that game. They, were. they didn't have a chance. But now they're playing a division rival who um, I think in, in Buffalo, I would pick Buffalo to win this game. But in Miami, I'm leaning probably more towards Miami, although not, nothing would really shock me there. So I, what do you do with this? I, I Buffalo kind of – I wrote them off after like week – six or seven and now all of a sudden i'm like oh i don't know they're still they're still in this well i first off i can't pick the game because i'm calling it so oh, true so, you have integrity uh, yes, i forgot yes i i, I will, will not pick the game um but man i mean like i said this is all you can hope for as a player where you don't have to because right now what happens is a lot of scoreboard watching is if you have a chance to get in but you need help it's the old it's the old you have to do this and something else has to happen so you have to win and watch the scoreboard. One year in Philly, we, were, we finished our season in Dallas, and we beat Dallas, but we had to wait for the outcome of another game. And we all actually waited on the sideline. Our PR person was actually on a landline phone <laughs> with, with, the, um, with the press box of the game that we needed to know the outcome from. And we found out on the sideline in Dallas that we had, in fact, got what we needed and won the division. So our and uh, worked for us of what we needed. Uh, so this, I mean, so you have to hope Josh Allen plays one of his best games and doesn't turn the ball over. He's got 16 interceptions this year. You wonder how healthy, as I'm starting to get ready for this game, the injury report for the Dolphins is ridiculous. Brutal. And, and that's yeah. something that we always talk about as attrition by the end of the year. You know, are you getting healthy or are you, are you hurt? And again, You've, your two top pass rushers gone in Miami. Now, Phillips has been gone for a little bit, but losing Bradley Chubb at the end of that one, just brutal. So this, I think, is going to be an excellent game, and, and then it'll obviously set everything in place. What's interesting to me, Jess, is out in the NFC, the 49ers with, with that number one seed, mm -hmm. it looks like the Cowboys can be two. The, the, the amazing matchup to me right now, if the season ended now, we do have one more week, <laughs> would have the Rams visiting the Lions. I mean, the flip-flop of quarterbacks. Love that, and yeah. both teams, even though the Lions just lost by a point to Dallas on that crazy, ridiculous, ridiculous ending. ending. Another game that I did not stay up to I watch, mean, but I woke up and I was like, what happened here? <laughs> absolutely crazy. But what a game that would be. Because I keep talking about the depth of San Francisco's offensive talent. But you look at the Lions – you know, and what they have with Laporta and what he's done and St. Brown and Jameson Williams and what he's now coming on to and the two-headed monster in the backfield. And then with the Rams when they're healthy, you know, of having Cup, of having Puka Nakua, of having Kyron Williams, you know, uh, Tutu Atwell, I know he's, he's been nicked up a little bit, uh, but they've had others step up. So I look forward to that. And almost to me, Jess, even though they're not playing well at all oh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, to lose that game in against Arizona at home was horrible. But if they remain in the five slot, their first game could be either at Tampa Bay or at New Orleans. Which, if you're looking for a matchup that you could get by, that's it, right? Yeah. Because yeah. neither of those teams are offensive juggernauts at all, and defense is where the Eagles have been struggling. So the Eagles in the fifth slot could actually be a decent matchup for them because if the Cowboys stay in the second slot, as it stands, they'd probably play the Packers. And Jordan Love and the Packers are playing pretty well right now. 
So it's interesting when you start to look at the possibility of matchups coming up. We need congressional intervention on the NFC South division because I just, it's been, it's been a rough year. <laughs> at least, at least there's a winning record, right? At least that what, oh no, it's 500. Well, New Orleans is eight and eight. The New Orleans and, and Tampa Bay are both eight and eight. So, okay. so they both could go to a losing record. At least Jacksonville, Indy, and Houston, they all, they all have nine wins. So that'll be, because they were for a while looking like the NFC South, you know, the AFC South was, but they've picked it up a little bit. But uh, I, I love, I love this last weekend. Um, I, Me too. I, it, it's it, going to be, I, do you ever wish that they did like uh, a soccer style, like all the games are at once. So everything kind of, you you play them all at once and everything shakes out in, in real time. Like, wouldn't it be yes. a little exciting if every game was at one o'clock this weekend? It would be better, I think, yeah, if you could pull that off. Yes, I, I, I would agree with that. And what they try and do, because if you look, if you look at what, like two weeks ago, if you looked at the week 18 schedule, everything was TBD. Because they don't do anything until after last week. I, I loved over. they when they announced it, and Collinsworth and Tariko were in their like tuxedos yeah, yes, on, yeah. on New Year's Eve, announcing the the times of the games to me. That was that was a very special. Wow, I'm washed moment yeah. because I was sitting on the couch on New Year's Eve, like, ooh, yeah, Dolphins game is a night game this weekend. I'm I'm, I'm watching we'll this see. instead of you know being entertained by something else. <laughs> no, I I, I agree with you. Yeah. But everything I, I'm at one time would probably be better because that's what they're trying to figure out is they don't want to put meaning. They're, they're trying to figure out the time so there isn't meaningless games going right. on. Like or, you don't yeah. want to put the Ravens Steelers game at night and then Lamar Jackson doesn't start. Right. And exactly. That's, your, your that's exactly time. right. So there there is a method to their madness. But every game starting at one o'clock. Uh, would, that would be great. Would be great. I would, that would be the best episode of Red Zone of of. The, year the, the, only, the only problem with that is that any teams that have a home game on the West Coast are starting at 10 in the morning, which, <laughs> which I personally would like, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's like the Fiesta Bowl. It's like an 11 a.m. Yes. local kickoff yes. on New Year's Day. Ridiculous. Yeah, it, no one, no fan should have to do that. Exa Although exactly right. So so there it is. So we're getting ready. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up week 18 uh, this week. We wait for the uh, college uh, national championship game next Monday. Uh, I have not seen an opening line on that. I can't believe it's going to be too many points. I would think four at the most uh, on, yeah. on that one. I, I have a plan. I have an idea for us this weekend. So you're going to be in Miami. Yes. You're getting in late Saturday. late Saturday. I'm I'm in Miami. I have a a small Christmas present for you that I was going to ship to you along with cookies that I baked. However, I baked the cookies and they were so crumbly that I didn't think they would be able to survive a, right. a cross country shipping. So I can hand deliver them to you if we so meet up on here's Sunday the morning. here's what we have to work through. Okay. I'm flying into Fort Lauderdale and we're staying up there. I, for you, I think maybe no promises, maybe that 25 minute drive on Sunday morning could work out. But I wouldn't do it for Gojo. I, I appreciate that very much. So you would do that for me, but not for Gojo. I think, well, if it, if it saves me a trip to the post office, I think it might be worth there it. There you go. If you come out there, I'll buy you breakfast. Oh, okay. A little barter. Yeah. All right. Do it, do it when obviously there's not going to be some heavy traffic. Which is no. I was just going to say. Monday morning is a good, is a good I, bet. All right. I completely understand if you can't, because I don't know what. I'll talk to my chauffeur. Uh, yeah, there you go. But see what you, if you come up and anybody who comes up, I will buy breakfast 
uh, for you. And then I will take the cookies up to the booth, which they will be ecstatic about. Okay. So that would, because there is, whenever we go to Denver, Ryan Radke, my partner, his sister lives there and she, we let her up, come up in the booth and she brings a few dozen cookies that she makes and they're awesome. So, and I know yours are great. So that will be, uh, I hope we can work this out. We'll see. No promises. Cause I won't have a car. I won't have a, I won't have a, a ride. I know I could Uber, but you know, <laughs> No, don't don't worry yourself. I'll 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 figure this out. I'll talk to my chauffeur, buy a few sticks of butter. We'll see where oh, Saturday oh takes us. Oh my God! See now now I'm building. I'm it's built up in my head that it's all going to happen. So <laughs> I just have to keep my expectation padded down a little bit. Okay. Well, we'll maybe I'll see you on Sunday. Okay. <laughs>